Greetings, brethren. Welcome to the Feast of Tabernacles, day number five. And we're making progress through the feast. We're past the halfway point. Today we're going to continue on judge righteous judgment. And as we saw in the first segment, that everything is based on choices. Everything is based on right or wrong, good or evil. And we also know that the mistake of Adam and Eve was this. They decided to understand good and evil on their own without following God the way that they should. And it's been the same ever since. Now, it tells us in the psalm that the thoughts of man, that is, without God, are vanity. But God made us so that we can be righteous. God made us so that we can think. God made us so that we can choose. And as a matter of fact, that is a command from God, as we saw yesterday. And when you look at it, all of life is a choice, even on a daily basis. What time you get up in the morning? What are you going to have for breakfast? How are you going to get to work? How about the kids going to school? How about the things you need to buy? How about your car? How about your house? How about everything you have? There are all choices involved. Now then, God wants us, with his laws, with his commandments, with his truth, to have righteous thoughts. And righteous thoughts can bring righteous judgment. Let's come to Psalm 12 and verse 5. Okay. Now remember... God is always dealing with our thoughts. Remember what he said concerning just before he brought the flood upon the world, that the thoughts of man was only evil continuously. In other words, there comes a point with human beings when they reject God that there is no way they can think any good. And we're seeing that today. How many unrighteous decisions? Now, we're thankful that the Supreme Court gave us a few good decisions here lately, but the enemy is always there, and the enemy is Satan the devil. will figure out a way around that. Okay? Now, let's see what Proverbs tell us, and we're going to go through a lot of Proverbs today as well as other scriptures. Proverbs 12, and let's look at verse 1. Proverbs 12 and verse 1. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge. See? And instruction will teach us the right way. You can go back to the first part of Proverbs, and it says that you have knowledge, you have understanding, you have wisdom. And the thoughts of man are built that way. 
you don't come up with wise thoughts until first you have knowledge, and then you have understanding, then you can make wise decisions. You can always make righteous decisions. Verse 1, Proverbs 12. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. And isn't that true? Don't we all need correction? Yes. Don't we all need to stay right with God? Correct. Yes. Now come down here to verse 5. The thoughts of the righteous are right. In other words, just. Righteous judgment. The counsels of the wicked are deceit. That's what we see today. So many are operating on lies and deceit that there is no truth in them. It's almost unbelievable how bad it's getting. Okay? Now, verse 6, the words of the wicked are to lie in wait for blood. But the mouth of the upright shall deliver them. Okay? Next verse, verse 7. The wicked are overthrown and are gone, but the house of the righteous shall stand. And that's what we want. That's why we're here. That's why we're doing what we're doing, because we want to be in that first resurrection, and we've got to make all the right decisions. Now, when we miss the mark and when we sin, we need to repent. God gives us the way so we can overcome it. All right? Let's look at another one here that is interesting. Let's come to Proverbs 15 and verse 26. Now, notice this. Again, God gave us minds so we can think. But we have to be taught how to think correctly. That's why we have the Word of God. Okay? The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord. Now, abomination is gross sin. Think about it today with all the sexualization of the world. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination, and what are they trying to do? Bring all mankind into abominable sex practices. Okay? But the words of the pure are pleasant words. In other words, right judgment. Okay? Now, let's, let's see some other things about this that we need to realize. Let's understand this. Let's come to Hebrews 4 and verse 12. Now, this is why the Bible is so good. And this is why we need to constantly be studying it. Because there's so much in here that we need to learn. Okay? Let's come to Hebrews 4. 
Let's see what the Word of God does. Okay? And the Word of God is there so we can correct ourselves. That way, we don't have to be corrected by God personally. We can let the Word of God correct us. We can let the Spirit of God in us remind us of what sin is or help us catch the thoughts that are not right. Okay? Now, here's why we need to study and study and restudy and restudy. Because the Bible is all of God's Word. Verse 12. The word of God is living and powerful. Just like the law of gravity, it is living. Jesus said of the words that he spoke that they are spirit and they are life. And the spiritual power behind the words is what enters into our minds and how we think and how we judge and what we do. The word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Now that's something. And there is no way you can get away from it. Okay? Now notice what it does. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of both the joints and marrow right to the very innermost part of our being. That's what it's telling us. That's why judge righteous judgment is so important. And is able to discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. Then it goes on further to explain this, that no one, can get away with anything. The laws of God are always working. The Spirit of God in us is always leading us and guiding us and helping us to overcome, helping us to make right choices, helping us to make righteous judgments in everything that we do. Now, let's read verse 13. Verse 13, and there is not a created thing that is not manifest in his sight. God knows it all. But since he's given choice, he wants to know, what are we going to do? Same with people in the world. Even though they're blinded, They have enough knowledge that they can do things in a relatively good way. If they have morals, if they believe in some of the commandments of God. But now we're entering into a lawlessness, and lawlessness means multiple sins. Okay? There is not a created thing that is not manifested in his sight, But all things, everything that there is, down to the smallest particle that God can make, are naked 
and are laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Now that's quite a statement, isn't it? We have to give an account. What have you been doing? You look at the parable of the pounds and the parable of the talents and how we are to work and do and multiply and everything like that. Okay? God knows. All right? Now, let's come to Matthew 12. Let's see something very interesting here. Because everything, there is not anything anywhere that is not open to the scrutiny of God. Now, he may choose for a while not to interfere because the laws that he created will bring about either blessing or correction or punishment. Okay. Matthew 12, verse 36. Okay. Notice what it says. Because everyone has a reservoir of good or evil. Those who have a reservoir in their mind of predominantly evil will do many evil things. That's called the criminal mind. The ones who have been taught to use their minds the way that they should can bring out good things, can have good thoughts. Okay, that's what verse 36 tell you, tells you. But notice this. Notice what God is going to do. See, now I want you to think about this verse because it includes every word we have ever spoken. Verse 36. But I say to you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall be held accountable in the day of judgment. That's why we have repentance. That's why we have forgiveness. That's why the daily prayer includes Forgive us our sins. Why? Because we're living in a wicked world. And we need to stay close to God. Now, these are some pretty powerful words. We're going to look at something a little bit more concerning that. Okay, let's come to Romans 14. Romans 14. Let's see what that tells us. Okay. That's very interesting indeed. Romans 14, there's also the things concerning judgment, which we won't get into detail there. Let's go to Romans 14, beginning in verse 7. Okay? For no one among us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we should live unto the Lord, and if we die, we should die unto the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. It is for this very purpose that Christ both died and rose 
and is living again so that he might be Lord over both the dead and the living. Okay? So then it goes on, verse 10. Don't judge your brother, that is, criticize them. Okay? Let's see something else that is really important. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10. And this tells us a lot. See? And this helps us to understand what we need to do and what we need to realize. 2 Corinthians 5, and let's pick it up here in verse 10. Okay? 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. No one's going to avoid that. Whether for good and blessing, or whether for evil or cursing. Okay? So that each one may receive according to the things done in his body, what he has practiced, whether good or evil. Now that's quite a verse, see? And we're all going to give an account of ourself to Jesus Christ. So this is why we study, we pray, we overcome, we change, we grow, because that's what God wants. All right? So that's quite a thing. All right? Now let's look at some different things concerning what we must do. Now let's come to the Gospel of John. We're going to see some pretty important things here in the Gospel of John. And remember, Jesus is going to do the judging. We just read we're going to appear before his seat. Okay, let's come to John, the fifth chapter, and pick it up in verse 23. John 5 and verse 23. Verse 23, so that all may honor the Son even as they honor the Father. The one who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who hears my word and believes him who sent me, that's the Father. You have to believe him. Has everlasting life and does not come into judgment. So, to avoid a contrary judgment, You believe in Jesus Christ, you repent and you are baptized, you receive the Holy Spirit, you grow in grace and knowledge and overcome. Does not come into judgment, for he is passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of Man, and those who hear shall live. Now, what's going to happen when we're resurrected? All right, let's read on. 
For even as the Father has life in himself, so also has he given to the Son to have life in himself, and he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Okay? So that's quite a thing. We need to realize that and understand that's what God wants. Okay? Now, let's come to John 7 and verse 24. Now, this was at the Feast of Tabernacles, and everyone was wondering, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Oh, he's a good man. Oh, he's an evil man. All the authorities, do they think he's Christ? So everyone was wondering. And so he makes it clear. He tells them this. Verse 24, judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Make righteous thoughts, righteous judgment, righteous choices, and with the knowledge of God. So that's quite a thing. John seven twenty four, judge righteous judgment. Now let's see something else about judging. Because people judge one another. And the first thing you do, you know that you have a judgment concerning someone when you see them, when you talk to them, when you listen to them, when you look at them. Okay? Now let's come to Matthew 7 and let's see something that we are not to do, okay? There's a time not to make a judgment, okay? Because, Matthew 7, if you make a wrong judgment and you stick to it, that's going to come back on your own head. So this becomes very important. Matthew 7, verse 1. Do not condemn others so that you yourselves will not be condemned. Well, that doesn't mean that you accept them, but if you bring out according to the word of God what is being done wrong, then it's the word of God that is correcting them or pointing out their fault. But, If you criticize people just for the sake of criticizing and you don't know anything about them, then you're going to get yourself in trouble, okay? Now he says, don't condemn others so that you yourself will not be condemned. Now notice what he says, verse 2. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you mete out, it shall be measured again to you. Okay. Now then, he says, the first thing you do, you're under obligation to get your own problems solved first. Notice what he says. Verse 3. Now then, why do you look at the sliver that is in your brother's eye but you do not perceive the beam that is in your own eye. 
Isn't that true? And isn't that the way? Isn't that the way that it is in the world? They don't want to admit the truth, so they condemn and they criticize. And sooner or later, it's going to come back on them. Now, continuing verse 4. Or how will you say to your brother, allow me to remove the sliver from your eye and behold the beam that is in your eye? In other words, hypocritical. See? So God is telling us through Christ, the very teachings we have with Christ. Right? Take care of your own life and own thoughts before God. And don't make snap decisions and judgments about people until you know them. And in the meantime, you get rid of your faults and your mistakes, and if an opportunity comes up, you can help that person, then you can do so. So he says, verse 5, if you don't do that, what does Jesus say that you are? Huh? Let's read it. Verse 5. First cast the beam out of your own eye, then you shall see clearly to remove the sliver out of your brother's eye. Okay? Now that's some good instruction for us, see? And see how much, how much difficulty that will save you. Okay? And it will save you from problems. Have you ever made a wrong, a wrong decision about someone the first time you meet them and you make a decision well what if you're totally wrong okay all right let's come clear back here to the book of leviticus leviticus 19 now none of the things that we are going over here concerning judge righteous judgment are just confined to the new testament they're confined to the whole Bible. God wants us to make good judgments. He wants us to make good choices. He wants us to do what is right. Come here to Leviticus 19. Okay? And let's see what God says. There are quite a few things here that we can learn from Leviticus 19. All right? Let's pick it up beginning in verse 15. You shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. You don't do something out of spite. Okay? Because that's unrighteous. And unrighteous, we will see, you got to get all the facts. And if you don't, it's unrighteous. And if you don't understand what's going on, it can be completely in error. So he says here, you shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. You shall not respect the person of the poor. Then he says, on the other hand, nor honor the person of the mighty, but you shall judge your neighbor in righteousness. 
amazing. Now think about what the, all the Protestants are missing because they say, well, the Old Testament has been fulfilled. Okay. Now verse 16. Here's another one. Okay. You shall not go as a slanderer among your people. Gossip, backbiting, telling things that aren't true, a gossiper among the people. How about among the brethren? How about within the church? How many times have there been problems because of that? You shall not stand idly by the blood of your neighbor. I am the Lord. Okay. Verse 17. Now notice this. This is quite important here. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. See? Now, what did Jesus tell us if we're to be his disciples? We're to love one another. Now, isn't love the opposite of hate? Yes, indeed. See? What did God say we should do to our enemies? We should even love them. Why? Because maybe our good behavior will help them turn around their lives. All right, let's continue on here. You shall always admonish your neighbor that you may not bear sin because of him. Okay. You shall not avenge nor bear a grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Now, how about that? Whenever God means anything, he says, I am the Lord. He's backing it up with his full power as God. And isn't that the second commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. And how are we to love God? With all our hearts, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all of our being, correct? And when we do that, and when we're praying every day, and we're repenting of the sins that enter into our lives, and a lot of those are sins that come about that aren't from us. Because today, with the television, or with your smartphone, or with your laptop, or with your computer, whatever you have, turn the switch on and the world can come in. And you end up getting a lot of thoughts in your head that you really didn't want. So you also have to repent of those and get those out of your your mind. See? Now, that's why it's a good thing to not give smartphones to children. Because Satan is there to program them to deceive them, to pervert them, okay? Now, if you have children, first thing is homeschooling. Next thing is they should not have a smartphone until they're old enough to know what to do about it and to avoid evil, regardless of what their friends may think, because 
too many friends can cause other people to sin. So a word to the wise on that, okay? So that's quite a thing, all right? Now, let's come to the book of Proverbs again. We're going to see some more things concerning judgment, all right? Let's come to Proverbs 18. And as you will see today, and probably tomorrow as well, that we'll spend a lot of time in the book of Proverbs. And the book of Proverbs are there for us to make day-to-day wise decisions and choices and how to keep ourselves from trouble and how to yield to God the way that we need to. Let's come to Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18. Okay. You might say that the whole book of Proverbs is how you distinguish God's word, what is good, what is right, from the world and evil people and the things that they do that are not right. And it's the way that the Proverbs are built reflects that. Now, Proverbs 18 Let's pick it up here in verse 8. All right? This is, again, like we saw there in Leviticus 19, backing this up. You're not to go as a talebearer up and down among your people. Okay? And there are some people that they just live on gossip. So here's a proverb that says, the words of a talebearer are as wounds. And they go down into the innermost part of the belly. It affects everything in their life. And when it gets to your innards, that can upset everything about your whole bodily digestive system and so forth. It's called an emotional reaction. And especially if someone says something about you that is not true and you get upset about it, which in some cases you need to, but then you need to resolve it in your own mind, whether you can go to that person and work it out or not. Sometimes you can't, but you just need to resolve it in your own mind and don't let it take you down. All right? Let's come here to Proverbs 11. Proverbs 11. Now, we can go through these things quite quickly, but Proverbs 11, and let's pick it up in verse 13. Okay? Verse 13. Again, a tale bearer. Now, what if someone tells you in confidence about a certain matter And they ask you, please, do not discuss this with anyone else. And you say, okay, I won't. But then you turn around and you start discussing it with other people. Notice what category you fall into then. Verse 13, okay. A tale bearer is a revealer of secrets. But 
the one who's of a faithful spirit, keeps the matter hidden. Now notice verse 14. And this happens. And a talebearer does not bring any wisdom. Verse 14. Where there is no wisdom, the people fall. But in the multitude of wise counsel, there is safety. Huh. That's quite amazing, isn't it? All right. Now let's come to Proverbs 26. See how much there is in the book of Proverbs concerning righteous judgment, what to do, what to say, how to conduct your life, how to reason, how to think. Proverbs 26. And let's pick it up here in verse 20. Proverbs 26 and verse 20. Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no tail-bearer, the quarreling ceases. Now, that's quite a very interesting proverb, isn't it? And it shows you how to avoid trouble. And don't deal in gossip. And don't deal in hearsay. And don't deal with, well, I think or I heard or someone told me, and just wait till you hear what they told me. Well, how do you know what it is right, see? That's why God says, don't have a tailbearer walk up and down in the midst of your country, okay? Now, let's continue on here. Verse 22, the words of a tailbearer are as wounds which go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Okay? Verse 23. Burning lips and a wicked heart are like a broken piece of pottery with silver dross. Now notice, talks about how to use language. Verse 24. The one who hates and disguises it with his lips stores up deceit within himself. Isn't that true? That's why Jesus said, do not hate your brother in your heart. Okay? Now notice what happens when there are deceitful people around and they don't want you to know that they are deceitful, that they're tailbearers, that they're gossips, that they want to give their opinion about everybody else. Okay, verse 25. When he makes his voice gracious, do not believe him. For seven hateful things are in his heart. Okay? Now notice again the next verse. This all goes to righteous judgment, righteous speech, righteous thoughts, those things which are encouraging and upbuilding versus those things which are carnal and deceitful 
and tearing people down. Okay, the next verse. Okay, verse 26. And he whose hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness shall be revealed before the congregation. Sooner or later, it will be known. All right. Now, let's come to the book of Deuteronomy. And we will see some very interesting things here concerning judgment. Concerning how God originally set up Israel. Deuteronomy, the first chapter. And we will see that God set up Israel with a system of judges. And that's what it was all about. Okay. Deuteronomy, the first chapter. All right. Verse 16. Okay. Chapter 1, Deuteronomy, verse 16. And I commanded your judges at that time, saying... Hear the cause between your brethren and judge righteously between a man and his brother and the stranger with him. So God's no respecter of persons, right? So we're not to be respecter of persons. What do you think that we have with politics? Everything we're covering here, and today, unrighteous judgment prevails predominantly over any good common sense. Verse 17, you shall not respect the person in judgment, but you shall hear the small as well as the great. Don't be impressed by those people who seem to be something. And don't look down upon the one who seems to be nothing. Okay? Because God loves them. God has called them. So you need to understand that. Now, let's continue on here. Do not be afraid of the face of man, for the judgment is God's. In other words... You're going to make the judgment of whatever you make as a judge based upon God's laws. And remember this, where there is no law, there is no sin. Where there is no law, there is no right or wrong. So God is making it clear. You must approach these things in a godly way because there's no way you can make righteous judgment unless you know the word of God, unless you know these instructions that we're covering now. Now he continues, and if the cause be too hard for you, bring it to me. Okay, Moses is saying to himself, and I will hear it. And I will command you at that time all the things which you should do. All right? So let's go ahead and take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll continue on with judge righteous judgment. One of the most important things that we can do.
and remember what Jesus prophesied there in Revelation 20 and verse 4. Judgment shall sit, and he has committed judgment to the saints. And we will be judges and priests. In other words, bringing the word of God to the world under the direction of Jesus Christ. Now let's continue on, brethren, with Judge Righteous Judgment number two. We're going to see that that is really, in summary, a good description of what the Bible is all about and what we are to do and how we are to live and that it all comes from God and that we need God in everything that we do. We were made to need God. We were made to need his love. We were made to give love, husband to wife and wife to husband, and to neighbors and to friends, and so forth. And the Bible tells us how we should live. But also, importantly, when we're dealing in these things here uh, concerning the millennium and what we're going to be doing as judges and priests, these instructions that we find in the book of Deuteronomy are very important. So let's come to Deuteronomy 7. And let's pick it up here in verse 6. For God says this. Now think about it. Relationship to us being those who have the Holy Spirit today and who are looking forward to the first resurrection when Christ returns. Verse 6. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. Are we not holy to God? Are we not called holy brethren? Yes, indeed. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a special people to himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. Now think about that in relationship to the church. Here he's talking about Israel. But now, even more so, in addition to that, We have been chosen. We are the called, the chosen, and the faithful. Special people unto God. And we're learning to have the mind of Christ, which then is the essence of right judgment. Isn't that correct? All right, let's go on. Verse 7. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of all people. Are we the fewest today? Are we scattered? It's wonderful we can get together for the Feast of Tabernacles and have fellowship, so let's make every opportunity and take advantage of it and have love and joy and peace and righteousness among ourselves. Verse 7, But because the Lord loved you, and because he would 
keep the oath which he had sworn to your fathers, and that's to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And remember, the, the covenant that God made with Abraham, that covers the covenant with Israel later, and then later with the church. And had brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Well, spiritually, that's talking about God bringing us out from sin, forgiving our sins, dealing with us, opening the way for us with his spirit, with his truth, with his word, all of that, okay? Now, notice what he says. Therefore, know, we're to understand and know this, that the Lord your God, he is God, a faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. That's more than all the generations of men on the earth, as far as we're able to determine. Now think about that. That's quite a tremendous thing. Now notice, we are under the new covenant, and we are to keep that new covenant. And that new covenant is to what? Eternal life. And to living in the kingdom of God as the spirit sons and daughters of God. To be judges, to be priests, to be teachers, to be administrators of everything that comes from God to all the people in the world. And that's why we're here for the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, what I want you to do, I want you to write for this booklet, Judge Righteous Judgment. Now, you will find many of the things that we have covered here in these messages, but it, it's considerably different. And why is that? Because there's so much to judging righteous judgment. Okay. Let's continue on here. Notice what else. This is why God says, leave vengeance to me. God will handle it if you put it in his hands. Notice. And he will repay those who hate him to their face to destroy them. Now, doesn't that describe what's going to happen in the things in the book of Revelation for those that hate God? Yes. He will not be slow to repay him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. Now, that being the case, see, then he goes on in verse 11 and reminds us again. Now, here's another study that you might want to do. All of Psalm 119, which talks about all the commandments of God, the statutes of God, the ordinances of God, the precepts of God, the laws of God, etc. How good they are and how they work and how to loving God and loving them and having them in our hearts and minds. That's the whole thing of conversion. That's what God wants with all of us. That's why we're here. You see? 
Now, let's continue on there. He says, verse 11, You shall therefore keep the commandments and the statutes and the judgments that I command you today to do them. He doesn't give it for just information that this may be a good thing. He gives it so that we may do them, because in doing them, then we're in right standing with God. And in doing them, then we're learning and growing in grace and knowledge. And then we're able to make right decisions. And then we're able to make righteous judgment. See? All goes to hand in hand. Okay? Now notice what he says, verse 12, because this becomes very important. And it shall come to pass if you hearken to the judgments to keep and practice them. It's not interesting. Not only keep them, but practice them. Now, in the New Testament, Jesus says the same thing. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? And he also says to the disciples that you are the disciples if you keep my words. Now, in one case, the word keep doesn't mean just to do. It means to guard, to protect what God has given, what he has shown. So that's quite a tremendous thing, isn't it, huh? Keep and do them, okay? Practice them. Then the Lord your God shall keep with you the covenant and the mercy that he swore to your fathers, and he will love you. See? Now remember, God's love is conditional. That's what Jesus said. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my words. And the Father and I, we will come and make our abode with you. John 14. Tremendous. See? That's why we're here to learn. Okay? And he will love you and bless you and multiply you. And isn't that what we want in the millennium for all the people? That we teach them God's way. We teach them God's law. We have a society that is based entirely on everything that God does and that God wants. Think what it's going to be like. No more war. Huh. Wonder what the world's going to be like without any war for a thousand years. How much can we grow in grace and knowledge and understanding? And how much can God give us knowledge and understanding of his creation just here on the earth and his creation out there in the vastness of the universe? That's something. That's quite a thing. Okay. And he says, he will love you and bless you and multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb, the fruit of your land, your grain, your wine, your oil, the increase of your cattle, and the flocks of your sheep in the land which he swore to give to your fathers. And he will bless you above all people. Now, isn't that the blessing that's going to come upon the church? Yes, indeed. So a lot of these things, they did apply to Israel, but they also apply to the church. 
and each one of us. The Father loves each one of us. And that's the greatest thing that can be. And you need to remember that when the going gets tough. God has not abandoned you. Whatever the affliction or whatever the trial, there is something that he wants us to learn and character that he wants us to build and that we love him in all circumstances regardless of what transpires. Okay? And he loves us. Now, let's continue on here in the book of Deuteronomy. Let's come to chapter 16. Okay? Again, this is very instructive. Deuteronomy 16, and let's pick it up here beginning in verse 18. Deuteronomy 16 and verse 18. Okay? Now he says this. Once you get into the land, he says, you shall appoint judges and officers. Well, Christ is going to be the one who does that at the beginning of the millennium. Judges and officers for yourself in all your gates, which the Lord your God gives you, tribe by tribe, and you shall judge the people with righteous judgment. What about that? The exact same words that Jesus used in John, the seventh chapter. Judge righteous judgment. Amazing how the Bible comes together like this Old and New Testament. All the words of God are pure, and they all agree with each other. All right? Verse 19. You shall not pervert judgment. That's what we have today. And look at what it's doing to America. Look at what it's doing to people, to families, to whole communities, to the whole nation. Okay? You shall not pervert judgment. You shall not respect persons, nor take a bribe. For a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and perverts the words of the righteous. Look what we have today, the most corrupt president in the history of America. And look what's happening to the nation. Look what's happening to the judgment. Once in a while, the Supreme Court comes out with a decent judgment. But overall, all of the enemies that are within that are there to tear us down, and they are there by God's putting them there to correct us for leaving God, to correct us for having done the things that we do with establishment Christianity. That's what it's all about. Okay? Now, then he says, verse 20, You shall follow that which is altogether just so that you may live. What does that tell you? The nation dies when there is not righteous judgment. 
Aren't we seeing that happen before our very eyes today? Yes. All right. That you may live and inherit the land which the Lord your God gives you. Okay. Now then, that applies to us. We're going to inherit the kingdom. Didn't Jesus say, Fear not, little flock, for it's the Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. But he wants us to prepare. He wants us to grow and overcome. He wants us to learn how to make right decisions and what to do and how to handle it and how to handle complicated and difficult things and resolve them out. How to get rid of those who violently sinned against themselves and the brethren. Okay, let's read on here. All right, chapter 17 and verse 6. Whenever there's a judgment, whenever there's something very wrong, here he brings out in verses 1 through 5 about someone who is unfaithful, going after other gods, setting up an image, and they're brought to judgment. So he says this, verse 6, At the mouth of two witnesses or three witnesses shall be that which is worthy of death to be put to death. At the mouth of one witness he shall not be put to death. Now notice, the hands of the witnesses shall be the first to put him to death. And afterwards, the hands of all the people, so that you may put evil away from you. God doesn't want there to be evil. Look at how it corrupts the whole community. Look at what happened with the church of God when evil came into it, and evil ministers came in, and those who didn't believe, and those who were not righteous. Well, what did God do? He destroyed it. Okay. Now then he says, verse 8. Now if the matter is too hard for you in judgment between blood and blood, between plea and plea, between stroke and stroke, being matters of strife within your gate, then you shall arise and go to the place which the Lord your God shall choose, and you shall come to the priests, the Levites, and to the judge that shall be in those days, and ask. Ask them to take it. Okay? And he shall declare to you the sentence of judging. Okay? Now then, when that judgment is made, everyone must abide by it. Okay? Verse 10. You shall do according to the sentence which they declare to you from that place which the Lord shall choose. And you shall be careful to do according to all that they tell you, according to the sentence of the law which they shall teach you, according to the judgment which they shall tell you, you shall do. And you shall not turn aside from the sentence which they have shown you to the right hand or to the left. Okay? Then if anybody is presumptuous and will not do it, then God says you take care of them and 
and execute them. See? Now think about how much better off this country would be if they would do that. Now, let's come to John, the 8th chapter. Here we're going to see a demonstration of what we just read. Okay? John, the 8th chapter. And this was where the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, wanted to trip Jesus up. Okay? Test him. Okay? So let's look at this. Let's see what it actually is. Some people look at this as an act of mercy and forgiveness, but it's not. Let's read it and find out. Okay? Verse 3, Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman who had been taken in adultery, and after setting her in the center, because there were a lot of people around Jesus and he was speaking, brought him in and put her here. And they said to him, Teacher, the woman was caught in a very act of committing adultery. Wow, imagine how that was done. And in the law, Moses commanded that those who commit such a sin should be stoned. Therefore, what do you say? Okay. Now let's notice what Jesus did, because this is very instructive, because he is following the commands of Deuteronomy. Now they said this to tempt him so that they might have cause to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his fingers. A lot of people wondered, I wonder what was Jesus writing? Well, they could see what he was writing. Why would he stoop down and write something that they couldn't see? All right. And as they continued to ask him, he lifted himself up and said, Let the sinless one among you cast the first stone at her. And he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Okay. And after hearing this, they were convicted, each one by his conscience, and went out one by one, beginning with the older ones until the last. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing in the center. So then, Jesus lifted himself up and saw no one but the woman. And he said to her, Woman, where are your accusers? Did anyone condemn you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, think about this. This was... How many witnesses are necessary? Two. Were there any against her that? No, they all left. Now, what does it say in the book of Deuteronomy about adultery? 
you take the man and the woman, both. So Jesus was probably writing in the sand, where is the man? If you caught her in the very act of adultery, how can you catch her in that act if there is not a man? (laughs) You can't. So, this is not forgiveness. This is a mistrial. Because they didn't follow the law. They didn't bring the man. So, he said, go and sin no more. He didn't say, I forgive you. Because there was no one to condemn her. But he knew that she had sinned. So here is correcting a wrong judgment. So they wanted to trap him in it. And try and get him to go against the law of God. But you can't do it unless you do it right. They didn't bring the man. Now let's come back here to Proverbs. We'll look at a number of Proverbs again, and we will see a lot about judgment. Proverbs 28, and let's begin in verse 2. Proverbs 28 and verse 2. Okay. Now notice this. This applies to us as kings and priests and judges. Now, What happens when those who are in charge, those who are supposed to uphold the law, those who are supposed to be righteous, what happens when they sin openly and everybody knows it? Okay? Verse 2. Because of the transgression of a land, many are its rulers. Okay? And isn't that what we have today? Many rulers. Yes, indeed. But with a man of understanding and knowledge, the state shall be prolonged. Now look at what is happening today. America is disintegrating because they have no one with knowledge and understanding, especially no knowledge of God no under true understanding of the laws of God, and even the good laws that we have, they're not implementing them. How many of the prosecutors are letting out criminals? Look at what is happening where they're doing that. Okay? All right? Let's continue on. A poor man who oppresses the poor is like a sweeping rain which leaves no food. Those who forsake the law praise the wicked. And isn't that what is happening today? Yes. And those who keep the law contend against them. And that's the battle going on today. Right now in the courts that we have, right now in the things that are going on in this nation, yes, the fight, the battle is there. And who's going to win? Well, it depends who the judge is. Okay? 
here, Biden's getting away with everything with multi-million dollars coming in, and Donald Trump is being accused of everything that he has never done, and they're trying to prosecute him, and they're trying to put him in jail. Unrighteous judgment against Trump and unrighteous judgment against the Biden mafia. Okay? Those who forsake the law praise the wicked, but those who keep the law contend against them. Verse 5, evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand all things. Okay? All right, let's come to another proverb. Proverbs 29 and verse 2. This is quite a proverb here. Verse 2, Proverbs 29. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. Huh? Now, isn't there going to be happiness and joy all during the millennium because the righteous are in authority? And Satan has been removed? And the hearts of people have been softened that they are less wicked? but they still have to choose right or wrong. Now notice the other part of it, okay? But when the wicked rule, the people mourn. How about that? Verse 4, the king, that's Christ, right? Or in the land, the ruler. In the case of America, the president. The king establishes the land by justice and righteousness. Now then, notice the second half. Is this not taking place today? And are people not helpless to try and correct it? And aren't they condemned if they try to do it? Because there are so many wicked people in in places of power. Okay. But he who takes bribes tears it down. I wonder what the millions of the Biden mafia are doing. Tearing down the whole system. And when you have... Merrick Garland as the chief justice in the land. And he does not apply the laws to everyone equally. He destroys the country. And that's probably their their aim. That's probably their goal because they've been sent by God because of how many people forsaking God in his ways. Okay, come back here to Proverbs 26. Okay, Proverbs 26. All right, and verse 12. Proverbs 26. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. Okay, telling us this. There comes a time you don't go out and get involved in trying to correct the evil people, 
especially when you have no authority to do so. They won't listen to you, so you've got to keep away from them, okay? But the simple pass on and are punished. That's what's happening. All the ignorant people, okay? All right, let's come to Proverbs 18. Let's pick it up in verse 17. Okay? Now here's this. This is what you have, and look at it with the news. Okay, let's read it. The one who is first in his own cause seems just. And isn't that what they're doing? They leak out information to pervert judgment, okay? And they come first. But his neighbor comes and searches him out. And we see that open right now with what the Republicans are doing in Congress to expose all the evil that's going on. It's amazing. Satan is in charge, okay? Now, let's continue on. Now, Proverbs 18, let's go back to verse 2, okay? Verse 2, and this we see every day on the television, okay? A fool who has no, under, uh, has no delight in understanding, but only that his heart may discover itself, completely self-centered, no cause for anyone else, no cause to straighten it out, okay? Now notice, and when the wicked come, verse 3, contempt also comes, and with dishonor comes disgrace. That's what we're seeing unfold right before us right now, okay? Now, since we're here in in Proverbs 18, let's go to Proverbs 17, just across the page, verse 15. Proverbs 17 and f- verse 15. Now notice, think about the plea deal that Hunter Biden got. Hasn't been finalized yet, and so far they're trying to hold back of it being approved. Okay, But here it describes that completely. Verse 15, he who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the just, is not what they're doing? Is not what the media is doing? Is not what the evil politicians are doing? Yes. Even both of them are an abomination to the Lord. So that's what we see going on, an abomination taking place. No judgment, no righteousness, no fairness, no understanding. See, because the truth is this. No system, even God's system, will not work unless the people are righteous. Now, that is a true statement. Now, Let's come here to verse 23. Verse 23. A wicked man takes bribes out of the bosom 
to pervert the ways of justice. That's exactly what has happened with all of this and the millions that Bidens are getting. Right there in front of us, there it is. Okay. Now, let's come to Proverbs 16. All right. Let's go back there and look at that. Okay. Now, in spite of all of this, here's the way that it is. Verse 2. The ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. Everything seems right. Everything seems good to them. Hey, long as I get the money, that's just good. Well, what if you get it illegally? Oh, that doesn't matter. I got the money. Okay. But I'm right. Don't you dare come and condemn me. Don't you dare say that I'm taking those bribes. No. We'll have the media say, oh, this is all a hoax. Oh, oh then, then you have liars stand up for you to verify that you're right. However, notice the other half of this verse. But the Lord weighs the spirits. Okay. God knows. Okay. That's quite a thing. All right. Let's come to verse 5. Everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Okay. That's what's happening today. Abominations everywhere. Who knows the truth? Who knows what is right? Who is doing good? Well, it's like it says, no, there's not one good. Okay. Now notice, everyone who is proud in art is an abomination to the Lord, though joined hand in hand, he shall not be unpunished. Okay. So all of those things show about judging righteous judgment. Now then, Let's come to Psalm 85, and we'll finish here. Psalm 85, and this will show what's going to be taking place during the millennium. And we will be the ones to bring it about. Psalm 85. Notice this is a perfect millennium psalm. It's a short psalm, so let's just read the whole thing, showing God's way. O Lord, you have shown favor to your land, that is to the whole world, now with the millennium. You have brought back Jacob from exile. All the children of Israel will be brought back to their homelands. You have forgiven the iniquity of your people. You have covered all their sins, Selah. And that's what God is going to do. What a time that's going to be. Okay, you have taken away all your wrath. You have turned from the fierceness of your anger. Yes, going to suffer punishment because of leaving God. But when he's through with that, he's going to restore everything. Restore to us, O God, our salvation and cause your anger toward us to cease. 
Will you be angry with us forever? Will you draw out your anger to all generations? Okay. Will you not give us life again so that your people may rejoice in you? And the answer is yes. God will. God is going to act, and that's why Christ is returning. Okay. Show us your mercy, O Lord. Grant us your salvation. And that's what he is going to do, isn't it? Are we going to bring salvation to the whole world, every nation, everywhere? The whole world is going to be worshiping God, loving God. God will take care of the wicked if there are any, and there may be quite a few. Okay. I will hear what the Lord God will speak, for he will speak peace to his people and to his saints, but let them not turn again to folly. And that's what it's going to be with us. We'll commune with God. He will commune with us. We will get our instructions. We'll know what we're going to do. And there it is. Okay. Verse 9. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, so that glory may dwell in our land. Now notice the next verses. Really a wonderful description of the millennium. Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. And that's what it's going to be. That's how we're going to have righteous judgment during the millennium. So we'll conclude here, and we'll be back tomorrow. So we'll see you tomorrow on day number six.